Well, the Pac-12 media rights deal negotiations are ongoing, and Oregon plays a pretty important role. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to to stay up to date with the Ducks. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. And I very much appreciate all of you who have done so already. So... Continuing on with some mailbag questions today, you can be a part of the mailbag too. YouTube comments or at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks on Twitter, DMs or the Twitter mentions wide open. And uh, I do have to say, Duck fans, you are most fortunate that I am the host of the show for this particular question. Few people have been thinking about or discussing this matter as much as me. Rick Olson via the YouTube comments said, Spencer, what's the latest on the Pac-12 media deal? I'm hearing some serious discussions that PAC schools will need to sell for a lot less than the Big 12 is getting. The conference waited too long, and now poor national economics is driving the deal. Okay. Latest on the PAC 12 media rights front. The negotiations are ongoing. There was a report, I think it was last week sometime, that CBS and Turner had pulled out, which everybody treated as, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What in the world? Nobody wants this deal. There hadn't even been reports that CBS and Turner were there. Reminds me of this old Louis C.K. bit. I know he's, yeah, okay, anyway. So he has this great bit where he gets on an airplane with a guy and they had just introduced on that flight Wi-Fi. It was like one of the first planes right when Wi-Fi on the plane was new and they didn't know it was going to be there and then it broke down. And then the guy next to him was all upset that it had broke down. Like, oh, stupid, can't believe it. And his joke was like, dude, how does the world owe you something you didn't know existed 20 minutes ago? And that's how I felt with the CBS and Turner thing. I was like, I didn't know that CBS and Turner were involved. Nobody knew that CBS and Turner were involved. And now we're all saying it's a terrible situation that they're both out of the deal. I found that to be amusing. But with regards to the numbers that the Pac-12 could actually get here compared to the the Big 12 and the ACC, which, by the way, are the only two reasonable metrics to judge our commissioner, George Klyovkov, on. If you say, well, look at what the Big Ten has, look at what the SEC has, that's not a fair fight. That's like saying, look at the facilities that Oregon has and look at what Eastern Washington's got. Not operating on the same wavelength here. You can argue that that's not great, and it's the strongest point for why Oregon should one day want to go into the Big Ten. I don't fully share that notion, but we'll see what happens here with this media rights deal. But I would just be careful, as a general rule, seeing things that get trendy on Twitter from a lot of people who oftentimes don't know what they're talking about. Nobody who's in the room has actually leaked anything. So we don't know what the dollar figures are going to be. Now, it's reasonable to speculate, but if you're really worried that this is going to come in way below what the Big 12 got, which is about just under $32 per school, and the ACC's deal is in the same range, I am not concerned about the Pac-12 getting in the same ballpark. I think the absolute best case scenario, 
Whether or not it comes to pass, we'll see. Probably not. Best case scenario is mid to upper 30s per year. But Oregon plays a really important role in all that sort of stuff. The most likely, it seems, if they just, anything with a three in front of it, 30 million and above is a good deal for the Pac-12 because you're keeping pace with with the other two conferences that you can most closely compare yourself to if you're the Pac-12. The Big Ten and the SEC, they've surpassed everybody, and you're not catching them right now. So there's no sense in worrying about it. But the other conferences are the ones you want to be looking at. Now, Oregon does play a really important role for the Pac-12 in these negotiations. As the 10 teams, and there are probably going to be two expansion teams, San Diego State and SMU, at least. They could go to 14. I'd say there's a 20% chance, maybe less, the Pac-12 goes to 14 teams. I, I would imagine they'll add San Diego State, they'll add SMU, and that'll be it. But I feel like a conductor there. San Diego State and SMU, and that'll be it. For those of you listening on podcasts, I was moving my hands around like an idiot thinking he was actually an orchestra conductor. So that's what the most likely scenario appears to be here. But Oregon in that conversation and Washington too are really, really important. Because Oregon is one of the teams that is now going to become the flag bearer for the Pac-12 on the television front. And so is Washington. And one thing that I don't think you can entirely overlook, it's not critical, but it is something that I've thought about. And I think the league will, will come to value going forward. When you're talking about generating TV revenue, right? That comes from viewership and ad dollars and all that sort of stuff. To make your conference attractive, you need eyeballs. And to get eyeballs, you have to be able to appeal to college football fans outside of just your geographical footprint, especially now that Los Angeles is primarily, though not entirely, Big Ten country. That is essential for the league. What you need to do that are big games with big brands that people want to watch. And Oregon against Washington, I could argue going forward, in addition to Oregon, Utah, are going to be in the new Pac-12, the biggest games that everybody circles every year. And if the conference is smart, they will schedule Oregon, Washington, and Utah to all play each other every single year. There are no more divisions. You're expanding with two teams, and scheduling can go basically any way the league decides. Those three teams, Oregon and Washington, have a protected rivalry for sure. So do Oregon and Oregon State. Everything else could be up in the air. Utah should be in that conversation. But if you're the Pac-12, you need Oregon to be good because they have appeal outside of the West Coast. They recruit nationally. They've got national viewership. Washington has that, I think, to a lesser extent, but certainly is the clear number two brand from a television standpoint going forward for the league. And putting those teams on the same field draws eyeballs. You've usually got big implications You've usually got big time players. You've got coaches, people know all that sort of stuff comes into play. So Oregon's got a big role to play in that front. The other reason that Oregon is really important here is that the Pac-12 needs them to want to actually be here, which I think they will be. I do not believe, I don't think Oregon would go to the Big 12. I know Washington would not go to the Big 12. They would both go to the Big 10, 100%. 
if that offer came available. And there's been, again, if you look in the right internet pockets, you can find people who are really in the belief, well, Oregon and Washington are going to stick around for this. They're going to go to the Big 12. They're going to go to the Big 10. Not going to happen. Tell you why after I tell you about Built Bars, which are delicious. Because if you want something that tastes great, but doesn't have all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bars. I've got them in my golf bag right now. I've got them in my pantry. I eat them all the time because they're healthy and they're delicious. Covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. You can still do that, or you can just go to Walmart or Sam's Club and get your next order today. I'm a mint brownie kind of guy. There are a bunch of great flavors. Raspberry, peanut butter, brownie, all the puffs rock. Go get your latest order of Built Bars today. I have seen, and I mean, over on Lockdown Pack 12, I see it nonstop. Nonstop. There are non-zero assortments of fans who are of the belief that if Oregon and Washington look at the pack and say, no, nah, that's not good enough, we're going to just go to the Big Ten. They think it can just happen. It can just materialize out of thin air. And that is so false. It is ridiculously false for a number of reasons. And here is another reason Oregon wouldn't even go to, to the Big 12 because they have a lot of longstanding relationships with other, other universities to start. Do you know what Oregon doesn't have right now? They don't have a university president. Last time I checked, unless I missed that piece of news entirely, they are currently looking for one. Do you know who votes on realignment and leaving a conference and expansion teams? University presidents or a board of directors. It's not an athletic director. It's not a head coach. It is a university president or board of directors or some combination of the two. And Oregon would 100% go to the Big Ten. You know what the Big Ten doesn't have right now? A commissioner. <laughs> you kind of need that guy. He's really important. That's like taking the president and hypothetically the vice president out of the White House and then another country going to our government and saying, hey, we'd like to negotiate a, uh, a foreign policy contract or, or something like that. Or we would like to start peace negotiations in the Middle East. If you don't have a president and a vice president in there, the Speaker of the House is not going to go to whatever country you're talking about there and begin those negotiations. Not how this works. So if you ever see someone, and believe me, I've seen literally more than I can count, say Oregon and Washington are just going to bolt to the Big Ten. It is not that easy. It is seriously not that easy. But is the allure there for Oregon and Washington? Absolutely. It, it absolutely would be. Academically, athletically, financially, visibility-wise, yeah, they would want to go to the Big Ten. But is it an automatic reciprocation of interest, which makes me sound a lot smarter than I actually am? The answer to that question is definitely no. So Oregon and Washington have to be on board and their presidents or board of directors signed that statement that, that went out last week. You can take that for whatever it's worth. I didn't really change my view of the situation dramatically, but they're willing to put their names on paper and say, we are committed to making this conference work. And that is what George Klyovkov needs to understand. And here's the, and I think he does. Here's the question I do have though. 
There has been, I was reading John Wilner's piece in ESPN the other day about this. There's been, I don't know if you want, I don't know if speculation is the right term. Discussion, shall we say, that USC and UCLA not being treated differently for the TV value that they brought with the LA market was part of what led to their ultimate departure from the Pac-12. Partially true, not entirely, because I think the appeal was still there, but it may have helped nudge them out the door. I wonder if you look at the remaining 10 schools and any expansion teams that the Pac-12 is going to add, I wonder if George K looks at Oregon and Washington, who are the clear top two universities athletically for the conference going forward, if they look at them and say, do we need to give you a little bit extra in order to keep you around? Now, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I, I don't know, but I think that's a question that George K at the very least should ask himself and should go to the university presidents or board of directors and say, what are we, or board of regents? I don't even know what it officially be called, whatever. They should understand what that is because you can't have that happen again. I think the Pac-12 can skate by here without USC and UCLA and just barely survive. But if you lost Oregon and Washington and they were drawn to another conference, nope, won't happen. That then you can plug this leak. It's hard. You need a lot of manpower. You can plug this link leak in the ship. But if Oregon and Washington were to get called by the Big Ten and say, how would you like to come out here? Which doesn't seem to be imminent either because the Big Ten presidents, from what I have been told, are good with what they've got right now. The teams, plus USC and UCLA, 16-team conference, they're good. They're set. So I think for this next media, media deal, Oregon plays a key role. And you know how they get marketed as well could be a factor for how the university views the conference down the line. I mean, Washington had a very real case. I know some of you won't like hearing me say this, but just being honest here, Washington has a very real case that the game slots in terms of times a day that they were playing this past year contributed to Michael Penix not getting more Heisman attention. That is a fair argument because Washington played a lot of late night games. And so they weren't as viewed nationally or they weren't viewed as often nationally as they could have been or going forward if you're the Pac-12 as they probably should be. Because if you're looking at the league going forward, I think there are five schools that are of the most importance for the league athletically to have be competitive in football, relevant and interesting in some capacity or some combination of those things because of the brand power they have, and what their ceilings are as programs. Oregon and Washington are one and two in that order. This is going to surprise you. I think Stanford is number three. There was a study in The Athletic. If you took out the USC and UCLA games from 2015 to 2021 by Stuart Mandel, you can go check it out. He did awesome stuff. It was really easy to read. It was a great piece. Who were the most viewed teams in the Pac-12 in that time? Oregon was number one of the 10 remaining schools. Oregon was number one. Stanford was number two. And Washington was number three. And I think the brand power of Stanford, from a football sense, is pretty strong. Now, do they need to do a lot of things better from an athletics production standpoint? Absolutely. They absolutely do. But I think if you are George K going forward, who do you want your flagship bearing schools to be? 
You'd like Oregon and Washington to be really good. You'd want Stanford. You would want Colorado with Deion Sanders, and you want to keep him there for as long as you possibly can. And then you want to have everyone else fill the gap underneath and be quality programs. Your Oregon states, your Arizona states, Wazoo's, Arizona, right? Everybody else. And have some, I think Arizona State, they don't get a lot of TV viewership though, which is really surprising. I don't know what's gone on in the Arizona schools. I don't know why they aren't better consistently. It's kind of a mystery to me personally, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, coaching hires, and it ultimately comes down to to coaching hires and such. So uh, bringing this back, I got a little sidetracked there, but that happens. Um, I don't think you should expect it to be dramatically less, the, the Pac-12 media deal that is, than the Big 12. That depends on what your interpretation of dramatically less is, but the Big 12 and the ACC are paying like 31 and a half to 32 million. If the Pac-12 comes in at 28, they are not going to be at a major competitive disadvantage compared to those conferences. They, they, they just are not financially. There is not a significant more amount of money because you have to remember, it goes to the athletic department, meaning it's not all going to immediately go to football. So if this conference is giving out, let's, let's say it's $4 million more per team per year, how much of that goes directly to the football program? Probably two to two and a half million at most. It, like that, 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 that's not creating a big gap between this program and this program, just because this one is in uh, a, a different conference. So as long as it's in, I think the high twenties pack 12 is okay. I think 25 is kind of the baseline for, well, that's at least serviceable for now, right? As you add two G five schools in most likely San Diego state and SMU, the deal will probably be, my guess is six years. It could be five. I, I really doubt it goes over six. I really, really doubt it goes over six. I think you'll probably have a five to six year deal. I expect everyone to sign the grant of rights. Best guess, it'll probably be mid to high 20s in, in terms of million dollars, millions of dollars per year per school from a payout standpoint. And then if they get anything over 30, then they're doing really, really well. Uh, so that's kind of the latest. And I would expect this, by the way, timing wise, I think they want to get this done and get it announced. My prediction is next Monday. Next Monday, I think there will be a deal. That is purely speculative on my part. I don't have an inside track there. I think they want to get it out at a time that allows them to kind of own the news cycle as much as they can, but also do it before the Pac-12 Conference basketball tournament. Because I don't think you want to be able to have announcers going into that talking about, well, the Pac-12 doesn't have a media deal, so who knows what they're... You want to have it before then and before March Madness, which is going to be a mess for the Pac-12 because they're probably going only going to have two schools unless someone like Oregon, for instance, makes a run in the conference tournament. I mean, it's Arizona, UCLA, and then a bunch of... Yeah, anyway. Um, basketball, frustrating times. Couple other things to talk about today on the show, including why Georgia and the Eagles should make you not worry about the Ducks. Talk about that after I talk to you all about my friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. They 
are excellent. And if you are a hiring manager in 2023, you know, success depends almost entirely upon the hires that you can make, which is why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. They go beyond the resume data browse 875 million member profiles to get the perfect candidates for your job opening. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. It takes a few minutes, really easy to do. Boom. Qualified candidates start to roll in. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. Before I get to the last mailbag question of the day, remember that time where a number of Oregon fans out there we're coming to me on this very show, YouTube or otherwise, and saying, man, Oregon can't keep losing coordinators like this. They can't keep losing coaches. It's not a good look. It's this. It's that. Georgia. Georgia. Just lost its offensive coordinator to the NFL, Todd Munkin. Is that is that indicative of an issue with Kirby Smart in the program? Or alternatively... Is the head coach the most important hire and part of his duties is being able to hire competent assistants and coordinators over and over again? Because if you win at a high level, you're going to have your assistant coaches and coordinators poached for other positions, whether it's by the NFL or for head coaching gigs in college. That is the way this works. The Philadelphia Eagles, for instance are going to find out whether Nick Sirianni is a really, really good head coach. He looks to be, but he is losing his offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, and his linebackers coach. Is Philadelphia a stepping stone program, or are there issues within the Eagles organization? Or alternatively, is this just how sports work? And you got to trust that you've made the right hire at head coach or believe that you have until you get evidence otherwise. I'm going to go with the latter of those two particular arguments. So, this is just mobility is greater now in society professionally than at any time in history because it's more mobile than it was last year, than it was the year before and the year before because you can get in touch with schools faster. You can get exposure faster. You make more contacts. You network. You can move easier, for goodness sake. It's a heck of a lot easier to move now than it was 20, 30 years ago. Moving companies, people are more prepared. Like, Everything is easier. It's more connected. It's more mobile. So a coach can more easily go from this place to another place. And we just got to have some faith that Dan's the right guy and he's going to keep making good hires and we continue to evaluate them. I think we can put that to, to, to best to bed. Now I got in, I got caught in between saying bed and rest. I almost came out that almost came out as we can put that to best now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, last question here on the show for today uh, from Go Duck Yourself. That's pretty funny. Funny note, Twitter actually flagged that as sensitive content that I may not want to view. So I almost didn't see this question. Uh, <laughs> All right, Spence, I got one for you. Hypothetically, how do you think our season would have gone last year if Bo Nix never transferred here and Dan and the boys decided to just stick with the QB room that was there. It's hard to see. We have limited data. 
but it is hard to foresee how we could have won more than eight games. I mean, Bo Nix was not just good. He was great. And let's say, let's, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that Ty Thompson was a competent starter as the player he is now. Let's say he's better than what he's shown in the brief moments he's entered the game. If it had been Bo Nix or Jay Butterfield or, or, or sorry, if it had been Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield as, as the starting quarterback, yeah, Oregon had a lot of talent on the roster. And, you know, Bo Nix wasn't asked to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game. So I don't think there would have been, you know, a 10 win to four or five win drop off or anything like that. But Bo Nix completed over 71% of his passes. So when he was called upon to make throws, he was really good. He also didn't make a lot of mistakes. He also used his legs very well. He did make some mistakes for sure, but he did not actually make a lot of them. And he made a lot of really high-level throws. Now, the offense could have adapted based on who was playing quarterback compared to you know what it was when Bo Nix is, since Bo Nix has gotten there. But it's hard to foresee, even if Ty Thompson had played well for what he's capable of in 2022, if he had been the starter or if it had been Jay Butterfield, who might be solid, but is now going to be a Mountain West starting quarterback, doesn't mean he couldn't have had success at the Pac-12 level, but it does give you an idea of perhaps where the ceiling is for him as a quarterback prospect. It's hard to see how that team could have won more than eight games, really, because they had high-level quarterback play. They were an offensively led team that did start on the ground and the run game was their identity, which certainly would help any quarterback. But then when they used the run game to set up those downfield shots or the play action passes, Bo Nix was really good. I don't have the numbers in front of me on what he was on play action, but it felt like every time he faked the ball into a running back stomach and pulled it out, it was going for a big play. And that sort of production is hard to replicate. It's why I'm so glad that that, that Bo Nix is back. But interesting hypothetical there. I don't always love hypotheticals, but that one was that one was pretty good. That one was pretty good. I, I'd say it was probably, uh, you know, with the way the defense played, only carrying you to one win, probably seven, eight win team. Yeah, I, I, I think it was probably, probably a seven or eight win team. Great question. Keep them coming. I'm almost caught up on the mailbag. My guy, hope you're watching, at DuckBlazer, who has two questions. Going to get to them uh, tomorrow. Nick's got a question in there, too. But then the mailbag, I will have all the way run through. So keep the questions coming. we got plenty of time to answer them. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.